Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We live in such a design-filled world today. Everything is grabbing our eyeballs for attention. How can you make your writing stand out with visual elements? That's what we're going to be talking about today on our podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Janelle, the author of Write Your Book in a Flash. I'm a ghostwriter, book coach, and developmental editor. And no matter where you are in the writing process, I can help. Our guest today is Ben Gutman. He's a professor at Baruch College and the author of the new book, Simply the Hood, which teaches people how to write effectively. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me, Dan. Great to be here. Great. We just did another episode on how to write effectively, but now let's look at the visual aspects of uh, communication. Tell, first of all, tell us a little bit more about your background in the visual arts, because so we don't have many artists on our program. <laughs> well, so artists is an interesting piece, because so my I ran a marketing agency for 10 years. I just sold that about a year ago. I teach marketing at Baruch College. In um, my background, my functional background is in design. Uh, now, it's important that that word as a distinction. I include, I made sure that was included on my subtitle, by the way. So my, my book's called Simply Put, Why Clear Messages Win and How to Design Them. And that because design, I believe, uh, and if you talk to most of the most successful designers in the world, uh, they will say the same thing, which is design is not necessarily art. Uh, there's art elements to it, but design is really business. Design is about problem solving. It's about arranging things in the world to achieve a goal. And that's what I tried to bring to this book was I looked at messaging as a, as a form of design. And how can we, how can we, we, yeah, there's a challenge in messaging between we want things that are simple, but we're naturally biased to make things complicated. How do we bridge that gap? Right. And so that's, that's where the design pieces come in. But if you want to talk about the, the visual design uh, component, it's important because there's studies will show people judge a statement based on its aesthetic qualities. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at the words themselves, like, is there alliteration? Does it rhyme? Does it have, you know, does it have some of these other kind of like magic words a little bit? All that stuff is associated with people having a higher opinion of the statement. They believe it's more true. They believe it's easier to read. I mean, they believe it that more likely to trust it, more likely to buy something. Um, so, it's important that we consider not just the words, but how the words hit our eyes and get processed by the brain. Uh, most of our, you know, we often forget that a book or an email or a proposal is, a, even of the words, are a piece of visual design. Um, you know, if almost all communication at some point finds its way into something that our eyes are, are perceiving. And so uh, if we're able to optimize for that, we're going to make sure that link in the chain is something that we can depend on. So give us some examples of how we can design our words so they are read more effectively. Oh, yes, certainly. So the thing that we have to uh, humble ourselves with when we talk about this at first is that most people don't read most things. So <laughs> books themselves are, are, are a challenge for a lot of folks. Uh, about half of Americans, 49%, haven't read a book in the past year. Um, and of those that have read a book, only 
five percent of of books are com- by most re- only seventy five percent of people complete five percent of books. So most books aren't read by by anybody, and the books that are read are really really concentrated uh, into uh, into a small group. So we have to start with that hum- you know, the, that uh, humility component. How do we get people who are who are already not reading? Or they don't want to, you know, do this. It feels like homework. How do we make it feel easy for them? That's that's what a lot of the stuff when I talk about simplicity in the book, it's really a um, a substitute for ease. The things that are easier for us to to take in, to see in the world, uh, to process and to make use of, we have a host again of positive associations, more like to like, to buy, to trust. And the things that take more mental sweat that aren't as fluent for us, we're less likely to trust or to buy or to or to like. So w- how do we make something easy? Well, we have to think of, especially when we're looking at the web, which is where a lot of a lot of the begin the journeys of our of our books start. If it's a blog post or if we're talking about you know our our landing page on our book, uh, we don't read on the web the same way that we read on a book. Uh, on a book, we tend to go from the top left corner to the bottom right, if you're in English or, or one of the countries that does that. Um, on the web, though, we we jump around. There's what's known as a layer cake pattern. As we go from headline to headline, maybe we'll scan a couple words, jump over to like a button, go to a call-out box, go back to another headline. We jump around until we find the thing that looks relevant to us, and then we go in there. And Or maybe we will scan around a little bit saying, hey, we're looking for a phone number. Let me look for things that look like they're shaped like a phone number and we're going to jump around in that. So if we're looking at, for how we read in a screen, that's how we do it. We don't go, you know, every single word until we get to the bottom is that we jump around and we try to find the thing that's relevant to us. And we've been doing this for like 25 years since we first began studying usability, readability in the web 25, 30 years ago. Uh, our eye, eye tracking technology has discovered this. Uh, and this is something that continues to be the case uh, to today. So what kinds of things can we put in our books or our blog posts that can grab people's attentions? Are we talking about bullet points and lists and whatever? Absolutely. Yeah. So the the things that scare people are the wall of words, right? You look at a whole page, you'll think, oh my God, this is the wall of words. But if you can break it up and you can say there's some headlines there's some sub headlines, there's bullet points, there's bold, there's italic. If you're on the web, you can have links, you can have videos, animations, um, you can have uh, uh, smaller chapters. All of these things are associated when we look at readability, usability statistics for the web and for, for print material as something that um, that does help drive people through. Uh, we will We will read a full thing beginning to end if we are motivated to do it and if it caught our attention. But it does take a little bit more friction than it does if we make it something that is digestible uh, in smaller bites for us. Right. When I work with my clients, I tell them that a book should be no more than 20, 25,000, maybe 30,000 words at most because it will scare people away if it's any longer. And I just wrote a book about pickleball and the chapters really are short, a page, two pages, lots of illustrations, and also... um, questionnaires or surveys or forms or uh, evaluation charts. When I work with other clients, we have coaching questions uh, as a way to make the material their own. What other examples can you make 
can, can you suggest that would make a book more interactive with people? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the question. So I, um, in my book, for instance, I made sure that at the end of each chapter, there was the kind of takeaway questions, because even though these are the things that might have been in the preceding several thousand words, well, you know, again, our eyes glaze over, our phone buzzes, we're reading the book while we're on an airplane and the, and the flight attendant comes over to offer us some coffee. All of these things will uh, distract us and and kind of break up our flow of understanding it. So by putting things, by summarizing them again at the end of the chapter, at the end of the section, it makes it a lot more digestible for somebody. Also, that gives you the chance to reword something. Maybe you had something somewhere and it was, and you said it one way, but you actually want to approach it from a different, uh, different angle when you do your chapter questions or summaries or, or agenda, or whatever it is, because that'll help people who maybe didn't get that first analogy or that first framing of it. That might help them uh, uh, pick it up a little bit later on. But I, I went, I was very uh, in my own work, and when I've seen this in other folks, I was very adamant about. It. I wanted to make sure I had those call out boxes. I wanted to make sure that they were visually distinct. Um, so there's a whole wealth of, um, of, uh, kind of research and thinking about how, how do you create kind of like visual distinction between different things? Uh, I wanted to make sure they were in boxes, that they weren't, that they were separate color on the background, that they weren't just another headline at the end of it. Cause when you put things like that, if you put, it's very easy on the web to do this and you're in your book, you might have some sort of printing restrictions as to what you can ultimately do. But when you, when you break things up so that they're kind of color blocked and that the spacing is is there in a certain way. It makes it something that is more accessible. Books are not quite, they don't quite hold true to this adage, but I like to say this a lot on the web or on, you know, or on a uh, slide deck, for instance, is that pixels are free. Uh, <laughs> you don't have, you don't have to cram every single thing in, into that small section. Pages are not free. I understand that. But if you can take some of the same thinking which is that sometimes it's better for you to make the page go 8,000 pixels tall, 10,000 pixels tall, instead of it being just kind of one screen's worth. Because people are used to scrolling, they're used to moving, and if you're able to put enough space between different elements, you're able to really make it easy for somebody to digest things in the way that you want them to do it. So on a web page, you're advocating for one long information page, I don't want to say sales page, but information page, as opposed to lots of clicks and buttons? Uh, not necessarily. It depends. It depends. Okay. And this is, this reminds me of, um, uh, Harry Truman was famous at one point. Uh, he was getting this, this advice from different economists and they would always say, well, on one hand, this, but on the other hand, that, and he said, you know, what I would do for a one-handed economist. <laughs> and so I feel like you could, you could say that about a designer, okay. which is on one hand, having one long page can sometimes be the right solution because you you want to tell a story in a very linear path. A landing page for a product is often a really good example of this. You're saying, I want to introduce you to my new widget or I want to introduce my book, right? And I want somebody to, in a particular order, get this basically virtual sales pitch for me, right? I want to get their hook at the beginning. I want to get their sub, I want to, you know, have a sub headline. I want to make sure to capture their attention and start getting them in. I want to give them options to, to kind of immediately go buy the book. I want to tell the story. I want to give social proof. I want to give them some offers. I want to do, and I want to go through all these different things. As part of a landing pitch for a book, that can be really effective. But 
if you're doing something like writing a survey, for instance, if you put a survey on one page and you have 30 questions there for somebody, you are not going to get people to fill that in because there's friction there. If I have to go through and I'm, I'm scrolling down, like, oh my God, I got to answer all these different things here, uh, all on one page. This is why um, somebody like Amazon, somebody like Shopify, they've learned when the dollars and cents are on the table, people get it. Uh, they've learned this, that, okay, on one page, it is your credit card information. On the next page, it is your shipping information. Because I'm asking you for all this stuff at once, I'm not going to want to do it. But if you're breaking it up into smaller bits, well, okay, each one of those feels manageable and I'm going to go through that until I get it. So if you're, it really depends on what your context is. If you're trying to get somebody to, to follow a bit of a more complicated journey, breaking it up into smaller pieces can be easier. But if you're trying to really unveil a story bit by bit, the, the one long page uh, framework can be better. Great. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. How can people, who's your ideal client and how can people get in touch with you? Oh, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, you can reach me at bengutman.com, which uh, is a medium length web page. Uh, and you can go find that at, uh, <laughs> my last name is G-U-T-T-M-A-N-N.com, uh, bengutman.com. Uh, also my LinkedIn, you can grab a free copy of the first part of the book, uh, PDF of that. You can find that on my website. Hope you enjoy it. Um, if there's anything I do to help anybody, please don't feel, um, don't feel afraid to reach out. So uh, thanks again. I had a blast and hope you can go check out my book. Right. And the book is called Simply Put and it's available at Finder Bookstores and Amazon uh, as well. And thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, we have more than 200 episodes of Write Your Book in a Flash so you can get your book done. And if I can help you write your book, uh, there's a link on my website to schedule an appointment. Thank you so much for joining with us. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle. The only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.